You are Locked On College Football, your daily podcast on all things college football. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Okay, let's get another edition here of Locked On College Football. I'm Matt Muscoda. He is Kevin McGuire. And Kevin, I think there might, there might be a game, maybe a two, maybe two games talk about this week. Where's the, the whole schedule's going because of COVID? What's going on here, man? Matt, I'm double-checking with my sources as we speak, and I can confirm right here on this podcast that there will be some college football play this weekend. I don't know how much, but we will get some. Yeah. Uh, here in, uh, in SEC country, obviously a, a pretty significant hit. Seven games on the slate. Already four have been postponed. Among them, Alabama LSU. You know what was a really interesting conversation in these parts this week was whether or not among LSU fans they even wanted that game to be played. And, man, part of me... From a from a a logical standpoint, I get it. Like you're going to be a four touchdown underdog, it's not going to go well for you. But the competitive side is like, it, then why do we even ever bother playing a game? It was so I, I was so off put by the conversation, you know, in Baton Rouge this week from people who were actually excited to see this game canceled. Man, I just you fought so hard to get this season off the ground, and now people are are in some respects because the season may not be going how you thought it would. You're willing to punt, but. I mean, did you have a reaction to what we saw this week? Uh, I can't say it was inevitable that uh, something like this could happen. Certainly, it's it, it's unfortunate, certainly for the SEC, that you have so many games being canceled at once. Uh, I'm going to be very curious to see how this all plays out as far as the schedule is concerned, because I know there's some built-in flexibility, but you know, a team like LSU is already running out of that flexibility. So uh, I don't know exactly what the status is on that. Maybe you know, but... You know, I think this is just the, the reality of the situation of this season, which we all knew going in that we were, we were going to have to be adjustable with our schedules and our flexibility was going to be very key as far as how the season was going to be played. Uh, obviously, this is hitting every conference. Every conference has had to deal with some form of scheduling um, mishaps, for lack of a better word. Uh, so I, I, I don't know if I necessarily blame anybody here. I, I just feel as though... You know, as the season's going on, we're not really finding any way to keep the games on the field, uh, and you know that's just something we have to deal with. Well, there, so I, a few things I do have an uh, an update on, like on what the SEC is looking to do, because I do think they are going to get these games in. I'll explain. Uh, the The other thing I think it's important to note is uh, Ross Dellinger at Sports Illustrated. I think he's done a really good job following this story. And full disclosure, R Ross worked in Baton Rouge, and I've known him a long time, and he's a friend, and he's done a good job following all this, but. The bigger thing here is contact tracing. So, for example, like Texas A&M, Tennessee, there's only two players that tested positive at Texas A&M. But contact tracing is what has essentially limited their numbers. At at the Missouri, it was one player that tested positive, but contact tracing wiped out an entire position group, so they can't field a, a team. I'm very curious because in the NFL, you can test out of contact tracing. Uh, if you can piece together five negatives, then you can test out of contact tracing. Right now in college football, it's zero debate. If you are in the contact tracing protocol, it's 14 days and you're out. So, I mean, we just saw that with Trevor Lawrence and Clemson. So right. I am curious, especially with this is a deviation, college basketball coming, because that would just decimate it. If you had to, if you had half your team sit for, for two weeks, you're you're on the shelf for two weeks. So anyway, I know that's another conversation for another day. I will be curious to see if some of the contact tracing um, protocols maybe are are softened a bit, especially the more we learn about the virus and we've seen other leagues allow for testing out of contact tracing. Specifically with the SEC, 
you know, we talked about this a lot, Kevin. The SEC approaching it the way they did allowed them the flexibility you mentioned. Um, the way that they positioned their schedule and instead of canceling but delaying, built them this flexibility. I think what's going to happen is you're going to see December the 19th, the date of the SEC championship game, become another full week of games. I think the league and the athletic directors have silently agreed to that already. So you may just end up with a full slate of games on December the 19th in addition to the SEC championship game, and it makes sense financially. You want all those games played for television purposes. The networks want them played. The schools want them played for for a home gate. It it makes sense, and I think that's what they're going to do, and they're going to get most of these played unless if they're in the next month, there's another week like we had right now because then you are really out of of options how you may work that. I did want to ask you, though, from the Big Ten's perspective, and when the Big Ten came back, I know you and I had this conversation, but Ohio State-Maryland being canceled, remember, there's no postponements. It's just the game won't be made up. And you mentioned that initially, which was the Big Ten left itself no flexibility, eight games, eight weeks. So what does this do for Ohio State in the college football playoff conversation now being docked uh, a, a game? I don't know if it necessarily hurts Ohio State's playoff chances just yet because I still fully anticipate that Ohio State is very likely to go undefeated this year. Depends. We'll have to see exactly how many games they're going to play. As of now, they're in line for eight games because they will have a, a hypothetical Big Ten championship game. Yeah. So they're going to get eight games in as of now, barring any other unforeseen changes. If they go 8-0 and, and look the way that they have in their first couple of games, I don't think there's any real question here. If they lose a game, that's a little bit of a different situation. If they lose another game from their schedule, and then we're starting to enter some Pac-12 territory because they're starting to lose how many? You know, and you know, I mean, and you know how I feel about that. As I, I, I know, stated, I know last exactly week. how I feel. But <laughs> the difference is, Ohio State is by far far superior than any team that is likely to come out of the Pac-12. So it's a little bit of a different situation, right? Yeah, I agree. Ohio State was opening up the season whenever it was going to start. They were going to be opening up uh, very highly ranked, one of the preseason favorites to not necessarily win the national championship, but at least play for the national championship. They were in that category. So I don't know if this is really all that detrimental to them at this point in time. But again, we'll see how the rest of the Big Ten season unfolds. If it ends up harming Ohio State's schedule a little bit more, then we can have a little bit more of a conversation. But Ohio State, I don't think, has anything really to worry about just yet. I am curious, and I'll just throw out this hypothetical, playing devil's advocate. And I, I, I agree with you right now. But what if you end up with a situation where Clemson and Notre Dame rematch in the ACC championship game and Clemson beats Notre Dame in a close game? Would a 10-1 and Notre Dame team have a better case than an 8-0 and Ohio State? Maybe. Would a 9-1 and Texas A&M, whose only loss was on the road to Alabama, have a better case than an 8-0 and Ohio State? Maybe. I, I think those are the things where when you the, – the, the playoff committee always talks about data points, and a game is a data point. And when you eliminate a data point, it we know less about that team. So I, I, I'm with you. If Ohio State, at, even at this point, they go 7-0, and win a Big Ten championship game, 8-0, I, I still think they're in, but I don't think it's, it's as concrete as maybe we're making it seem. And maybe it's not. I mean, this is going to be a very strange and unique year, yeah. certainly for this college football playoff selection committee. It's their job to figure this all out. Fortunately, it's uh, not up to us. <laughs> or maybe unfortunately. I don't know. I mean, we may have better answers than they do. I, I don't know. But 
that's going to be one of the ongoing discussions. And I think uh, we're still kind of monitoring exactly how this college football playoff is going to operate, uh, what they're going to be evaluating. That's why whenever we get around to those weekly updates, as much as I roll my eyes at the fact that we have these weekly updates and a weekly show, I, I don't know about you, Matt. I, Same. I'm, not a, Same. I'm not a huge fan of it. I don't think oh. it really does a whole lot for the conversation other than to spark some argument. But I will be curious to see what exactly their line of thinking is when they start putting together those rankings. The only thing you need to know is that the very first set of college football playoff rankings ever in 2014, there were three teams from the SEC West. And it was Mississippi State, Ole Miss, and Auburn, and none of them made And Alabama right. ended up winning the national – well, Ohio State ended up winning the national championship, but Bama right. was the one that went to the playoffs. So, yeah, it com- completely and wholly irrelevant at this point. Okay, um, it is the Locked On College Football Podcast. He's Kevin. I'm Matt. Uh, there's a couple of other things that we got to touch on before we get into the Week 11 slate, including telling you about Coors Light, because who doesn't love beer, especially with the way that beer mixes with college football. And Coors Light is the perfect beer for college football because – when you're watching college football, you just kind of want to chill. And Coors Light is the beer that's literally made to chill. It's cold lagered. It's cold filtered. It's cold packaged. It's literally made to chill. And if you don't feel like getting out of your house, they'll bring it to you. Yeah, absolutely. All you have to do is go to get.coorslight.com. You enter your shipping address and it'll set you up with a distributor that will deliver this Coors Light right to you. Now, I will say it's not quite available everywhere, but if it's not, don't worry. They are working on expanding that reach. So someone like me who can't use that service just yet, uh, I'm going to keep staying tuned because I know it's going to be available for me at some point in the near future. So keep trying it out. Make sure you get that cold, refreshing Coors Light delivered to you. Stock up that fridge in time for Saturday's games on tap, whichever games may happen to still be on this schedule by the time this weekend comes around. Coors Light, celebrate responsibly. Coors Light, Golden, Colorado. We also love telling you about uh, Built Go. From our friends at Built Bar, they now bring you Built Go. I think everybody at some point has to break through that wall. Like, if it's you're at the gym and you need that extra push to get through a workout, if it's you just have a screaming two-year-old in the middle of the night who doesn't want to sleep and then it gets to be 2.30 and you're exhausted and you need that jolt of energy to get you through the day, if it's just something you need to start your day and you're tired of grabbing caffeine and and, uh, sugar-laden energy drinks or energy shots that give you the crash later, try Built Go. Built Geo, they're one-and-a-half-ounce packages. They come in three great flavors. Put it in your pocket, put it in your briefcase or your gym bag. If you want to avoid the crash feeling, give you better results than the caffeine drinks or the energy shots with a third of the caffeine and better results, grab a Built Go. Yeah, absolutely. And you know what? There's so many different ways that you can use these too. I mean, you can put them on a cracker, you can put them on an apple, or you can just take it right out of the package. That's what I do too. So there's really no wrong way to eat these things. And it's really going to help you bust through. There's a reason why my coworkers at work in, in the afternoon, they're wondering why I have so much energy. It's because I'm having a Bilko at lunch and it helps get you through the rest of your day. It's going to help you get through the rest of your day too. If you want to check them out for yourself, go to Bilko go.com and don't forget to use the promo code locked that's l-o-c-k-e-d and you're gonna get 20 percent off your next order so use the promo code locked for 20 percent off at builtgo.com let's go so as we continue on I, there is an interesting coaching carousel storyline that i want to delve into here in a second involving a name that every college football fan knows and has strong opinions uh, about but there was some unfortunate news uh, out of uh, happy valley today Yeah, just before we went to record this episode, we found out uh, straight from head coach James Franklin, who's doing his regularly scheduled weekly uh, radio program. 
He confirmed that running back Journey Brown is going to have to medically retire. Now, of course, Journey Brown was the running back who just days before the 2020 season started for Penn State a few weeks ago. We found out that he was not going to be playing this year due to some health concern that they discovered in the month of September leading up to the start of the season. It is not COVID related. However, it's the process of testing for COVID where they discovered whatever this uh, abnormality is. It's something with his heart. I don't know the extent, uh, the exact definition of the uh, the condition, but it basically uh, makes the, the heart muscle thicker or something like that. I, I'm not a doctor and I didn't look into it just enough before we hit record, but it, he's going to have to medically retire. He already put out his statement on his Twitter account confirming the news. It's very unfortunate because he had a bust out of performance in the Cotton Bowl last year, at the end of last year, 16 carries, 202 yards, some really physical touchdown runs against Memphis in Penn State's win there. And he was going to be one of the the stars of the Big Ten season, if not the national season, uh, as one of the top running backs uh, going into the NFL draft with uh, what was supposed to be a very good year this year. So obviously, uh, 2020 has not gone well for Penn State on the field, and it certainly is unfortunately not going well off the field either. You know what, I, I don't, I really don't have much, much to add. I think you, you summed it up there. Just most importantly, stories like that for me, as much as we love college football and it's the reason you and I do the show and the reason that you, the, the listener, is, is listening, this, things like this do give us great perspective that there are things in the world that mean more than, than playing games. And I know we get passionate about it and we love it. And I'm not, I'm not, I would never say, don't be passionate. I would never tell anybody, oh, it's just a game. But sometimes stories like this do lend us that perspective. And I'll, prayers to, to Journey Brown, certainly, for um, th- Thanksgiving that they caught this right now and hopefully that it allows him to go live a very healthy and normal, productive life for the rest of his days, which we hope are all many and plentiful and successful in whatever way that they can be. So... Uh, all the best to uh, to Journey Brown and whatever is next on his journey. Uh, we're kind of wondering also what might be next on the journey for Hugh Freeze. Did you see where Liberty has given Hugh Freeze a contract extension and they're paying him? Now, that's a private university, so they don't have to disclose the amount, but the report from ESPN is that he'll be paid among the top five group of five coaches in the country which means he'll be $3 million per year or north, which basically what he was making at Ole Miss. So right. he's making SEC money at Liberty, where he's got them 7-0. and They've already beaten Syracuse. They just beat Virginia Tech. they still got to play NC State and Coastal Carolina. And the facilities at Liberty are would rival. It's amazing, but they have so much money, they literally would rival any Power 5 school. They're building a $22 million basketball facility. They, they have an a football-only indoor complex. They have a football complex. It's it's stunning the amount of money that Liberty has and has spent on their football program. And now in year two in the FBS, they're 7-0 and and they're ranked. Do you think Hugh Freeze stays? It's going to be very interesting, <laughs> to say the least, because he has landed in a very good spot. And you've laid it out there. I mean, Liberty is... Not your typical group of five program that just started playing FBS football in the last few years. This is a much different university because of all the finances that are behind it, supporting it and trying to grow the university, trying to grow the athletics department. It it is far from a a program you would see in the Sun Belt or Conference USA. They've got resources that a lot of those schools don't have. Now, I don't know if this necessarily guarantees that Hugh Freeze isn't going to be going anywhere 
in the foreseeable future. Because if he continues to have success with Liberty, there are going to be some job offers that he will certainly be willing to entertain, I would imagine. Uh, because we look at a guy that, you know, his time at Ole Miss came to an abrupt end, <laughs> but we yeah. saw, uh, yeah, and there were, then there were reasons for that. You know, so yeah, this is a redeeming opportunity for him at Liberty uh, as far as his coaching career is concerned. And I think the signs are, he is redeeming himself as far as uh, coaching. So as long as he can continue to have the success he's having and stay out of trouble for you know, whatever reason, I, I think he's going to get some offers. So will the right offer come along? That's the question. And how willing will some of those power five programs that may be in need of a coach, how willing will they be to go to Hugh Freeze knowing what he what happened at Ole Miss and you know, yeah. everything, all the baggage that can come with that? So I always think of a guy like Bobby Petrino who had his untimely demise at Arkansas when he had a co-ed on the back of a motorcycle and faked a press conference you know, where he was wearing a neck brace. But Bobby Petrino ended up back at Western Kentucky, had success, and then back at Louisville, where he flamed out again. Mm -hmm. um, right. In, in basketball, a guy like Larry Eustachie, who had Iowa State rolling and had a, a bout with alcoholism and was partying with co-eds at, at frat parties and was out of the game and then was back in at Southern Miss and then got the gig at Colorado State. You know, my point is, we see these redemption stories where guys get a second chance and make the, or, or ladies get the second chance and make the most of it. I I can tell you that there has been chatter in the Southeastern Conference where schools have been discouraged from hiring Hugh Freeze. Now, an athletic director can ultimately do whatever they want, but a lot of times you fall in line, you, know, you tow the company line. So I start to look outside of the SEC and say, what would make sense? Like, is there a big... The Big Ten, which you cover, is known to, to have more of a... Uh, you know, certainly, in the 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 academic institutions and a lot of history there, and they take a lot of pride in that. Not to say that there aren't SEC schools that do, but would would a Big Ten school hire Hugh Freeze? I struggle to see that as a possibility. Uh, first of all, I don't know which opportunity would be out there uh, that would be a good match for Hugh Freeze. Michigan. Any? Let's <laughs> let's say. Uh, okay. Let me throw this out there. Let's say Jim right. Harbaugh goes back to the NFL. And Michigan is so desperate to win, and you know you've got to compete with Ohio State. And you look at at what Hugh Freeze did at Ole Miss, now what he's done at Liberty, at Arkansas State, everywhere he's gone, he's won, and he's had exciting offenses. Like, would Michigan go? He's not a Michigan man, but we think he could beat Ohio State. No, I think they would be. He's not a Michigan man. We'll find a Michigan man. I, I just feel like that's uh, yeah. the Michigan mentality, for better or worse. Um, you know, <laughs> first of all. Let me just get this out of the way. I don't think Jim Harbaugh is going anywhere. Okay. Uh, I understand it's a very popular uh, discussion point, and I'm not opposed to having the discussion. I just I don't see it happening unless Jim Harbaugh is, is the one that decides that he wants to go for another opportunity. So I think we can put a pin in that for right now. But okay. I will say this, you know, Michigan would be in need of somebody with a little bit of offensive flair. Hugh Freeze would fit that. But I just don't see Michigan being the program that would hire Hugh Freeze for his next job. Uh, because I do think that they would be a little bit weary of how things ended at Ole Miss. And I think there's that whole Michigan mentality. They, they just think a little bit differently. Mm -hmm. And I think that they would be pretty reluctant to go against that grain uh, so far away from where they would be with Hugh Freeze. Maybe because they already got burned once with uh, Rich Rod, perhaps that line of thinking. I, I don't know. that. I think of teams like Southern Cal, 
where you might be moving on after this season, and boy, what a splash that would be. But again, the same thing you just talked about, where does the West Coast hire the Southern guy? They already passed on Ed Ogeron because he didn't really fit in their mentality. You know what I mean? Right. It's like mm-hmm. the, the, the opportunities that would be there for Freeze this year, they don't seem like great natural fits. But from a football perspective, you know he could win there. So juggling that, I think, is going to be fascinating once his coaching carousel starts to spin. Because where I think where the Hugh Freeze domino falls becomes the first. It's the linchpin. I mean, it's it's the first domino that needs to fall for everything else to happen. Because I think he is right now going to be the most interesting or and or sought after name in this coaching carousel. Just who's willing to take that that leap of faith with him? So I guess we'll find that out maybe in December. But stay stay tuned to see if perhaps Hugh Freeze sticks around at Liberty even despite this, uh, or Bolt's Liberty, even despite this contract extension. Um, all right, Hugh Freeze and Liberty, they host Western Carolina. We don't have to preview that one, but we'll preview the, West of week, no. the rest of Week 11 when we return Locked on College Football. Put a button here on another edition of Locked on College Football. He's Kevin, I'm Matt, and glad you are with us. All right, Kevin, let's take a peek at the Week 11 slate. Hard to think, it's already Week 11 around the world of college football, and there are a grand total of zero ranked-on-ranked matchups this weekend in college football. Some of that due to COVID, but really mostly because it would have been LSU-Alabama, but LSU stinks this year, so we didn't even get that one as a ranked-on-ranked matchup. Um, Let's start in the ACC. We'll bounce around a little bit. What about Miami at Virginia Tech? Miami quietly has not lost since the Clemson game and sneaking around there in that ACC conversation. Yeah, and am I seeing this right? Virginia Tech is a favorite here. They're a, am they're I missing a, something here? Because a, is that not the the ultimate stinky line of the week? A two and a half point home favorite Virginia Tech over Miami. What are they? What are they seeing? What do they know that I don't know? Because what I know about Miami is Derek King is making things happen. Yes, Miami has played some close games the last couple of games, but they've won. And Derek King, I think, is the difference maker for Miami. So. I understand Virginia Tech is, you know, putting up some points, but they're also giving up some points. So I like Miami going into Lane Stadium, getting out of there with a win. So I'm, I'm taking those points. You you can give me two and a half. I will take them. I think that the odds makers are way smarter than me. So give me Virginia Tech for nothing okay. other than the reason that they say that too. All right, give me a thought on this one. I think this is super intriguing. Like which team, which version of these teams do you get? Indiana at Michigan State. What happens here? Indiana, man. Indiana's on a roll. They've already got wins against Penn State and Michigan. I think they're for real. I don't think they're Ohio State level ready, but uh, they got Ohio State next week. So I think that they're going to get to that game undefeated. Uh, first place on the line in the Big Ten East, but they got to get by Michigan State. Michigan State's weird because they have the win against Michigan. And they don't really have much else. So controlling the football is something that they have to be able to do against Indiana because Indiana's going to take advantage of those turnovers, and they're going to be some turnovers. Michigan State has gotten embarrassed in two games, and then they beat Michigan at home. Like, what, Are we going to see Michigan State rise up and get another ranked win? Like, I look at this and I go... I'm kind of inclined to think this Jekyll and Hyde thing's going to happen for Michigan State, and they're probably going to get this win. So, I, for no reason other than I've been so wrong picking everything this year, give me Michigan State. Uh, just because it feels like the wrong thing to pick, so that's what I'm going to pick. Um, Notre Dame at Boston College. How about this one? 1993, Notre Dame beats number one Florida State in an amazing matchup. A week later, they lose to Boston College. Now, Notre Dame beats Clemson a week later. They got to go to BC as a 13 and a half point favorite. 
What do you think? You know, Boston College does play some pretty good football, especially when they're at home, and they're having a pretty decent year. I think Jeff Halfley is a pretty good coach for them. Uh, that was a nice hire for them. I don't know if they have enough in the tank to go up against this Notre Dame team. Notre Dame's been getting better as the weeks go by. I feel like every time we talk about Notre Dame, it feels like I've gone from, I'm not convinced they're the number four team. They're, maybe they're getting better, but I'm still thinking they're overranked. I'm starting to think they're a little bit for real. I, I don't know if they're necessarily the number two team in the country, but they got the win against Clemson. I can't take anything away from that. And I do think the last few weeks, they've gotten better and better as the season's going along. This is a big test for them, though, because after that big win last week, now they got to go on the road, play a feisty Boston College team. I think it's a little scrappy, but I think Notre Dame gets out of there with the win. Um, I would like to agree with you, so I'm just going to disagree then and say that Boston College wins and we see a repeat from 1993. So give me the Boston College uh, Eagles to upset Notre Dame. Again, no logic, just I've been so wrong with everything, so give me the thing that feels wrong because that's got to be what it is. Uh, Oregon is on the road in Pullman against Washington State. This is obviously relevant because the only two uh, Pac-12 teams that's worth paying attention to are Oregon and SC because an undefeated version of Oregon or SC feel to be like the only teams that could make any noise for the playoff. Yeah, I'm with you on that. And I wish I had a better feel for what to expect out of these Pac-12 teams right now. It's only their second game of the season. Oregon obviously looked pretty good last week against Stanford. And they're supposed to be because they are the best team supposedly in the Pac-12. So I don't see them having too much trouble here against Washington State. I know they played a close one, highly offensive, back and forth kind of game last year. It'll probably end up being that way, but I think Oregon gets out of there. Yeah, I'm going George Costanza. I'm just picking the opposite of everything. So I'm going to take Washington <laughs> State in this game as a 10-point home underdog to be able to not only cover but win the game outright. All right, last one. Let's go back into the Big Ten. Wisconsin, the Badgers, after a couple of unexpected weeks off, they got to go on the road to Michigan, which is just a dumpster fire right now for Jim Harbaugh. I just – I. I it's so hard to fathom what we've seen the past two weeks from the squad with seemingly so much on the line, but here's an opportunity. Uh, you know, what, what version of Wisconsin do we see in this ball game on the road in Ann Arbor at six 30 at night? Yeah. Keep in mind, Wisconsin's been off the last couple of weeks since their Friday night opener yeah. <laughs> a couple of weeks back. And then they had to shut things down. So they could be rusty. And I don't know if this is a situation where you can be rusty because I do think that Michigan having a couple tough losses behind them, I think they're going to bounce back. They're going to play better. But Wisconsin's still a pretty good team. So I'm very curious to see if Graham Mertz can keep that going uh, with the kind of production he had in his opener. Uh, wowed everybody, was skyrocketing up the Heisman board and then test positive, and then Wisconsin has to shut down. I do think that Wisconsin it has the defense and has the running game, and they have got the quarterback. So they've got all three ingredients they need to win a good contest against Michigan. I think Wisconsin goes into the big house, gets out of there with a big win to go 2-0, going into the middle of November. I agree with all of your logic, which is why I'm going with Michigan in this ball game to uh, get the upset at home. That's going to do it for I look at this point I I don't know. I don't know what else to do. Like I'm just it's so perplexing this season how this is, has played out. Even the team I cover every day, LSU, I've been so wrong on everything with regard to this team all year. So, I'm just going to pick the opposite from now on of everything I think and see how the hell that plays out. Uh, hey man, Penn State's 0-3, so I'm looking for a win this weekend too. So I, I feel your pain, and uh, hopefully we can commiserate uh, together. Uh, well, hopefully we don't have to commiserate again, but you know, hey, uh, misery loves company, right? That's, that's why, what this is all about. That's why God made whiskey and Coors Light. Uh, <laughs> that'll right. do it for another edition of Locked On College Football. For Kevin, I'm Matt. Have a great weekend, everybody.